Our, our first lesson is from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42-44. I may stumble on the word in the first verse. Uh, a man came from Baal. All right, I practice this. Baal Shal... Ba Baal Shalisha. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. Baal Shalisha. A man came from Baal Shalisha. Sorry. Uh, bringing, bringing food from the first fruits to the man of God. Twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elisha said, Give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, Give it to the people and let them eat. For thus the Lord says, They shall eat and have some left. He set it before them, they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. Gospel of Mark, sixth chapter. We're actually going to read the passage this Sunday that preceded the passage last Sunday. This is about the feeding of the 5,000. We reflected on that last Sunday. Here's the story from this Sunday, Mark 6, 35 to 44. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go to the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, are we to go to buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. And he ordered them to get all the people to sit down into groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered about five thousand the Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Sometimes we get lost in the familiar, so when we hear a text we know like the back of our hands. We wonder if there's anything left for us to learn. The Lord, your Spirit always has something new for us. So give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and hands to share. For the glory of Christ, our Lord who feeds us. Amen. So the feeding of 5,000 was the backstory last week when the disciples were terrified in the boat. Remember, Jesus was walking in the water for them, and they panicked because they thought it was a ghost. And Mark tells us that they were frightened because they did not understand about the loaves. Well, let's go back, and let's take a look at those loaves. To those who assembled the lectionary readings, the texts that we have on any given Sunday, the Revised Common Lectionary Committee or the Angels, whoever they are, decided that the story of the feeding of 5,000 was an interesting parallel to the passage that Tom read from 2 Kings just a few moments ago. It is about the prophet Elisha and this guy who is Baal Shalisha, which is exactly 
how you pronounce it, and I said, Tom, Baal Shalias, it was just the name of the town that he was from, and he shows up offering the prophet 20 loaves of barley and some extra grain. This occurs at the time of a famine in the land. Now, i got to tell you, that's something to which I cannot relate. I don't know if you can relate, but I say, I don't know what it would be to have a famine in the land. I know what it's like to open the refrigerator and find out where I would catch it. That's about as close as my life ever gets. And catching is pretty important. But this gift is made by this gentleman to the prophet Elisha when there is a famine in the land. And it is referred to particularly as his first fruits gift. We'll talk about that in a moment. But when you take a look at famine, the United Nations estimates that about 690 million people on the planet right now, that's about 9% of global population, are on the brink of serious food shortage. And of them, about a third, about 230 million people, tonight will go to bed in a physical condition known as starvation. Starving to death. I know it goes through your mind, because it also goes through mine. It, well, thank you very much for that image, Pastor. It's so uplifting to think about people dying of starvation on a hot summer Sunday. This is why people don't come to church anymore, because the pastor makes them feel guilty, right? Makes them feel bad for those poor socks that are starving to death elsewhere on the globe. Besides, as my mother used to say, finish that plate, there are children in Bangladesh who are starving. My response was, well, then mail the lima beans to them. It's about as helpless as we could possibly get with global forces and climate change and pandemic disruption of supply change. Frankly, it all seems significantly out of our control. Except there's this guy from Baal Shalesha, who shows up in the middle of a famine with 20 loaves of barley and some extra grain. They are his first fruits offering. Now, in the Hebrew scripture, the first fruits offering is a fascinating example of faith. At the beginning of the harvest, before you even know what the take is going to be, before you've gone through and gleaned your fields, at the very beginning of the harvest, you take the very first things out, and if it is grain, you prepare them into loaves of bread. If it is fruit, you put them into baskets. If it's grapes, you press them into wine. Before you even know what the take is going to be, a portion is given to God up front. Not at the very end. That's another offering. That is actually the, the tithe. That's the 10% of what the total harvest is. But this is one of the many offerings. Before you even know what the income is going to be, you give it to God as a gift. And that is what he brings to Elisha in the midst of the family. A few years back, there was a family in this congregation who wishes to remain anonymous, and so I will not betray their desire for anonymity. And they were notified that they had been included in a bequest the, of which they were unaware. It was a distant family member. They had absolutely no idea that they were going to be left in this person's will. But also, as anyone who's ever been notified of such a situation, you have no idea the amount, right? 
you don't know how much you're going to get, you just know you're there. And then later on, when it's distributed, you find out what the receivership is going to be from the estate. And this couple sat down, husband and wife, and they prayed, and they determined an amount that they were going to give to the church, regardless of what the size of the inheritance was going to be. Before they knew the amount of the inheritance, they set aside in their hearts and in their planning a gift to the church. And sure enough, when the inheritance came, that first distribution came to the church in the form of an anonymous gift with only the request that it be used to make our facilities more energy efficient for the future. And so the property committee immediately changed some of the flame adjusters on our boiler system, created a whole new intake, air intake system, replaced the tempering tank so that the water that comes into our hot water system is already pre-warmed before it's lit by the, ignited by the boilers. All of that money was used to decrease our carbon footprint, to decrease our energy use, to decrease the amount of water that is used by our heat system by a couple who, before they even knew how much money they were going to receive, had decided how much money they were going to give. I won't tell you who did that, and I won't even let you guess, but I think you should just assume that it's the person who's sitting next to you so you can turn to them and say thank you. That is an example of a first fruits offering. Now, in the case of Elisha, when Baal, what's her name? Shalisha, comes forward and gives him the 20 barley loaves, Elisha says to his assistant, immediately take those loaves and distribute them among the sons of the prophet. Elisha is actually in the middle of a seminar, and all of the prophets have come to learn how to be prophets from Elisha. And it was about meal break time for the gathered prophets, and so he was right on time. He said, go ahead and distribute it. And the assistant said, look, there's only 20 dinner rolls here. There's over 100 guys. What are you going to do with that? You just distribute it. God said there'd be enough. And sure enough, there were enough. Just as the case with Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, it was John who remembered the little boy. The other three gospel writers just remembered the amount of food they had and their panic. But whether it's feeding a hundred or twenty or five thousand, the prophets had given away. Last Sunday, when the disciples were terrified in the boat, Jesus walking on the water thinking he might be a ghost, when Jesus gets into the boat and the storms are calmed, he says, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And I would suggest that our first fruits offering, our first reaction, our first flinch can become our offering to God. But in order for it to be akin to God's understanding in our hearts, it has to be based in an absence of fear. You have to be unafraid to give God your first fruits. They were afraid because they didn't get the loaves, Mark said. And I would suggest that if you understand the miracle of the loaves, you're not afraid. And that's what getting the loaves is all about. Struggling over this passage for the umpteenth time as the pastor, it does appear in all four Gospels, so it shows up a lot when it's time to preach. I read the statistics on global hunger, 
and I'm overwhelmed by it. It makes me feel afraid. Oh no. What if I'm going to be asked to do something I don't want to do? Or something that I know from the beginning is going to be insufficient? It is my first reaction when I hear bad news. My first flinch when I read about the Delta variant whipping through unvaccinated communities is not a Christ-like response. It is a response of fear. It is a response of disgust. And I look at those numbers and it is if I have seen a ghost, I cannot believe that these people are messing up our lives. We're going backwards when we should be going the other way. When I'm confronted with anomalous information, I become one of those frightened disciples in the boat. I forget about the loads. I forget about the sufficiency. I forget about having just been filled. When I see negative data and negative information, I panic as did they and say, what are we going to do? I'm not just afraid. I am filled with disgust. The story about the first Fruits, the gift of a little boy's entire lunch, the gift of a man who in the middle of famine set aside the earliest portion of his grain harvest and made some bread and brought it to the prophet, delays my first reaction is to hoard. My first reaction is says, if there isn't enough, then I better make sure I've got too much. It is, I would suggest, the way in which first world countries are treating the vaccination. It's a shortage around the globe, but let's make sure we have more than enough for our own. And that fills me with fear, and that fills me with disgust, and that fills me with anger. My first flinch is not an offering suitable to the Lord. And I have to confess that God needs to deal with my first fruits, my first flinch. Told the story before, but every time it's a really hot and sticky day, I remember it. It was many years ago, it was on the Dan Ryan Expressway, I was heading in the southbound lanes and hit about 69th Street, and it was a wall of traffic. We were just stopped. And we were stopped for a few minutes, and then it turned into 10 minutes, and then it turned into 20, and I turned on the radio to figure out what was going on, and then there were helicopters flying around, and there were vehicles showing up with state police getting out, and then National Guardsmen getting out. Now listen to the radio, and it was so hot that people were shutting off their engines because continuing to run your air conditioning was going to overheat your car, and uh, we were out of our cars and chatting back and forth. There was a gentleman who was driving a Pepsi called a straight truck, a box truck delivery, and he was at about the 87th Street Bridge when he stopped in the middle of the traffic and used his cell phone to call his girlfriend to claim that he had a truck full of explosives, and because she had dumped him, he was going to blow it up and take everybody with him. My first flinch <laughs> was not Christ-like. My first flinch was that one of the snipers who was standing on the 87th Street Bridge would do his duty 
or that they'd be able to contain the explosion so that I'd be able to drive around the pothole and finish the rest of my trip. That was my first flinch reaction in the heat. But next to me was a pink Rambler. You can't make this up. It was really an old, late 50s pink Rambler. The windows were rolled down because it had no air conditioning, and sitting in the front bench seat of that Rambler was a husband and wife, I presume, who were Amish and could tell by their clothing. He got on a very straight brimmed hat and a little beard that rode under his chin. She had on a bonnet and a very simple handmade dress. And her purse was on her lap, and they sat looking straight forward. Windows down, no impatience on their faces, no disgust. Until the wife turned to me and she said, excuse me, we don't have a radio. Do you know what's going on? And I turned to her and I said, I sure do. Some whack job claims he's got a bunch of explosives up front and we're all waiting until they're going to pick them off so that we can keep riding. She turned to me and said, oh my. Well, no matter how long we have to sit here, Somebody else is having a worse day than we are. We shall pray for him. And her husband nodded, just the little brim of his hat, and the two of them closed their eyes and began to pray. Not for their impatience, but for the horrific experience of the man who was causing our inconvenience. That was their first flinch. And ever since that occasion, I have caught myself again and again realizing that my heart is not up to that first fruits offering. That my heart is not ready in the midst of famine to say, well, I don't have a lot of bread, but what I've got I'll certainly give you. I don't have a willingness to be able to say, yeah, it's only one lunch, but that's one more than you started with. How can it help? My first flinch is like the disciples. It's full of fear. It's hesitancy. It's hoarding. It's anger. Because I don't get the fact about the loaves. Now help me. Forgive 